Welcome to another edition of the Youthscape Podcast. We've got a very exciting guest today, haven't we, Rachel? It's me, Rachel Gardner. Yeah. Well, <laughs> no, and another one. And, an- and another one. And another and guest. So well. normally you introduce your name and then I do that. Oh, you it's were become ready. a nice little kind of okay. old married couple formula. Yes. Well, I'm Martin Saunders. And I'm Rachel Gardner. We I know mean, that now. We do have an exciting guest that we're not going to tell you, except you know because it's on the Yeah, it's on the thing. It's but, on the thing. But I want an opening question for yes. you, Rachel, yeah. uh, this okay. morning. Um, how do you find yourself wasting time or procrastinating? Ooh. What is your sort of go-to thing where you think, oh, I wish I didn't waste so much oh. time doing that? Okay, I, when you first said waste your time, I was my initial reaction was like, I don't waste time, I haven't got any time. No. But I procrastinate. Yeah. And recently my daughter has come out from the dining room into the kitchen when I said, I'm just going to get some tomato ketchup and said, Mammy, you're tweeting. So actually, for me, it's a, it's a short, sharp social media. It's the little things that I think I can just quickly do now that actually take more time than I think. Are you a scroller? Are you, uh, do you stand yeah, there scrolling with the little finger yeah. waggling? Especially if like, you're putting toast down for the kids in the morning. Mm. I'll just put them to the kitchen, put toast down, and then I'm like, oh, I'll have a little look and see what Martin Saunders is saying. Um, no. Just see what, you know. Hey, what PR disaster is he created? Yeah, what do I have to wade into now? Who's the offended? Um, yeah, so that's, I, and I do feel quite chastised about it, actually. I feel oh. like I need to, to uh, go on a bit of a Daniel what, fast. What about <laughs> um, television and things like that? Do you... Do you Netflix? Have you? Sometimes you ask these questions that make me think. Have you like got a door to my soul? I can see right. Do in you there. and Jason have like this, like this burner phone? Jason's asked me to bring up a number of <laughs> key issues. So line of duty. Oh, oh, oh my days! In fact, last night I was like, oh, I'm going to see Martin and Chris. I'm going to see a few people. Let me just write a few things. Nope. I had to find out if Hastings is H. I mean, I'm, I'm watching it after all the hoo-ha. Yeah, yeah. But I, yeah no, did I you not find, <laughs> since we're on Line of Duty, I didn't expect to go there, since we're on Line of Duty, oh, no. did you not find this season, series, sorry, we're yeah. not Americans, um, a tiny bit disappointing? No! I'm, I, the slower the better. One camera shot in that little glass room yeah. where they're just asking questions with initials yeah. that I don't understand, but somehow the tension is building. Yeah. I am all over no, that No, that is always good, but they do that every time. They do, but I, I, I'm sorry. I'm, but I'm do you know the it. thing? So the thing is, producer Rachel told me I haven't me this. watched the last 20 minutes okay. because I fell asleep. So there's a thing in the yeah. last episode Ooh, okay. where they say, look... Back in that old episode, okay. this was happening. Okay. You never noticed it was happening in the oh, corner of the screen. Is there like a monkey, like in the corner of the screen? A bit like, <laughs> like that. One of those. So, no, so I, there's I a thing. So, so you don't need to. This is not a spoiler. But they say, okay. "Oh, you didn't notice this thing when you thought when you were looking over here. You didn't notice oh. right over here. This was happening." But then producer Rachel looked uh, at the old episode, and it was and not. Uh, and it and, and it wasn't there. there it wasn't actually be, happening. Surely there must be a whole online community that is like. Dining out on that right now. Maybe we need to know. find the underbelly and uh, yeah. take down Line of Duty. So it's so it's Netflix. Yeah. Uh, and it's uh, uh, and it's and it's social media scrolling yeah. on social media. Any other any other kind of besetting well, sins? Well, I feel that you know one that I don't. I don't know, officer. I don't know. No. Okay, let's turn the spotlight on you. What are yours then, mate? What I I've got a really embarrassing one. Ooh. That, Buckle um, up, people! Here we go. Really Nudity know. and toilets. No, no, I have a slightly embarrassing one that people don't know, which is that I'm—I have this one stupid puzzle game 
that I've been playing for about three years on my phone. I'm just utterly addicted to It's a sort of Candy Crush type thing. And then also, um, I find myself sometimes playing with my children. And I think, I could be using this time better. <laughs> what am I doing playing Those Paw Patrol? Kids. Paw Patrol? Oh, oh. That's the greatest time where it's Football? No. Honestly, no. So I, I, th- I think, I, yeah. I mean, I don't have much time. No. I do, I te- why I ask is because yeah. I do often, like you, say I have no time. Yeah. And yet often. Yes, we make time. I, I, I make time for things I, I want to do. And mm. some of those things aren't particularly helpful or healthy. They're just, they're not even like resting my brain. I know. But scrolling through Netflix. Oh my goodness. That thing, the paralysis of choice. Yes. Of just looking through Netflix at endless yes. um, episodes of things I could watch, but I, I want to, uh, what shall I watch? And, see, and seeing as we're on this slightly downward slide, before we lose everybody of kind of self-shaming, I, I agree with you. And the reason I think I hate, I hate saying actually it's scrolling social media and it's Netflix because in a way like we're not going to go back to the old years of legalism and kind of woe is me but like the few spare spare moments of my day that I'm totally free to do what I want with it's really telling what I choose to do with that and that's what I find really hard about this is that I'm in my 40s now and, and I'm, when I hit 40 I remember thinking why is my character not resolved in some mm. of these flaws why am mm. I still quite broken in some of these like fractures mm. why, why is that still there and I think it is those little tiny daily reminders that character needs work it doesn't just just like time doesn't just automatically heal your character mm. doesn't automatically no. develop you've got to got to focus on this so we're not going to beat ourselves up for a bit of social media a bit of Netflix but it is really telling isn't it what we do with those moments and it's interesting that you uh, I'm going to try and bring two thoughts together here let's see let's see how it goes shine, so um, shine, so don't sing too much or we'll okay. be in copyright infringement <laughs> that's true they so, won't recognise that so, uh, <laughs> so so sometimes I think gosh I need to work on my character more um, because actually and we all think that I yeah think yeah I wouldn't do these things and then often I just think I wish I didn't also have this uh, this thought that I'd like to pray more. You and wish yet, you did. I have wish the I didn't have the thought I'd like to pray more. I wish I just did pray more. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. And and I see a little correlation here between the time I waste and the oh. time I could or should be praying, and the time I feel frustrated that I'm not praying, and the time I feel frustrated mm. that I'm wasting my time. But the other thing, just to interrupt you. I'm so sorry. You can is, see where that was going. Though. I can see where that was going. That was really neat. Do you want to? finish it because the other thing I think as well is that then I enter kind of pharisaical land and go well I'm not going to go on social media now everybody I'm going to tell you all that I'm not on social media now because I'm going to spend that time praying yes and I and there's that's another pitfall isn't it where you announce like and and that and oh so it's it's, yeah it's um if only there was somebody yes that's where I was going (laughs) if only there was someone who could help us write this. If class. only if someone. Only someone founded a prayer movement or something. Well, we it's taken seventeen and a half years, but we finally managed <laughs> to get to an find. interview. Yeah, yeah. We finally managed to get an interview with uh, Pete Gray. Yes. The founder of the twenty four seven prayer movement, a long term youth worker, author, and quite fond of praying. He's he I very very unlikely that he has a secret Candy Crush addiction. I would love it if he did. I'm sure but he, I bet he, he makes doesn't. boats, doesn't he, in his garage? He makes boats. So he's even productive with his free of time. He does. But he's a bewildered leader, and I think that's what we all love about you, Pete, because obviously you're listening to this. So you might not be. You might not have to listen back to your stuff. He could you listen back to all the old like episodes me. where we did shout outs. Yeah, to him. Trying yeah. to get him on. He does listen to our podcast. He did tell me that. 
But yes, this bewildered founder and leader of 24-7 Prayer Movement. And I was at an event recently where he was. And I did pluck up the courage and say, Pete, would you do an interview for us? And of course, straight away, he's like, yes, because he loves youth workers and he loves youth ministry. And he is himself a youth worker. He's founded a youth church. He's really passionate about young people. He's got two teenage boys with his lovely wife, Sammy. And so this is what happened when uh, I caught up with him at Spring Harvest. Now, we didn't have anywhere salubrious or amazing to go. We literally found the corner of an office and it is quite noisy in the background. But if you can kind of zone that out, you're going to hear Pete Gregg say some awesome stuff. It's the Youthscape podcast. Right, Pete, thank you so much for your time in a very, very busy week. I've got some questions. Dear listeners, I've actually written questions down. That gives you an insight into the state of my mind right now. Do you, do you call them dear listeners? <laughs> I, I Is call this them a Victorian belo- radio broadcast? Beloved listeners. My dear. And basically, I'm seeing myself entering battle against you. <laughs> and I want them on my side. <laughs> you know, I think... Right, so the thing is, life's not a competition, it's okay. not a battle. Oh, all right then, okay. Um, Pete Gregg said it, I just, believe it. <laughs> we're, just, we're just going into therapy here. I love it. It's okay to cry. Thank you, I will be crying and blubbering. And I might even become a Christian partway through, so this is very exciting. Excellent. Pete, I'd like to ask you a question that I don't think I've ever asked any of our guests. <laughs> and that is, tell us a little bit about the faith that you inherited. I'm assuming that yeah. you grew up in a Christian home, but I don't know that. Why do you assume that? Because you often talk about Sammy and falling in love with your wife, yeah. who was completely not within this kind of Christian bubble, That's which makes sharp. me think yeah. that you were a good yeah. Christian boy that only knew yeah. good Christian girls. Yeah. No, I, that's exactly right. <laughs> Sammy was um, was in, uh, entirely wild, and we often joked that if we met sooner, we wouldn't have given each other the time of day. I'd been absolutely terrified of her. She was sort of dating anything that moved, as far as I can make out. When she got saved, she was dating seven boys didn't know wow. it was wrong and then someone challenged her and she, she finished with five wow that's, that's and, quite a good percentage and cut down to two for a while <laughs> which actually is probably more holy than the average mm. bishop because you know she's actually um, more sacrificial mm. and then she did get rid of the other twos uh, and, and, and chose me um, meanwhile I uh, you know I grew up in a home my mum is from um, Christian uh, background going back sort of three million years they're all missionaries, wow. Scottish. And then my, my dad got saved uh, at, at Oxford University and actually had a tough time. He was cut out of the family will for that. And, um, you know, it had a major encounter with God. And one of the things I love about that, and I love about anyone doing youth work, is you're in the business not just of changing lives, but changing family trees. Mm-hmm. And so our kids are growing up knowing the Lord and all that. Mm. But yeah, so I did. I, I, I did quit my faith for a while, um, uh, age 17, mm. and, um, and then really had to find faith for myself. Yeah. I was going to ask you that. Have you had to deconstruct faith at all? Has that been a long journey, a short, yeah, short you know, thing? I actually think faith mostly deconstructs itself so our job is mostly to reconstruct what if you look at if you if you if, if you leave something on the side of the road it naturally starts to rot so I think things left themselves deconstruct and our job through the spirit of God is to constantly be reconstructing and and get actually you joked about it at the start but you know someone once said to me you know when did you become a Christian and I said um, this morning and they looked shocked. And I said, I have probably got saved most days of my life. 
since the age of whatever it was, 18. But there have been a few I've just been pretending. So there is that sense of you have to keep choosing Jesus. And I think at different stages of life, um, you know, I don't know, hitting adolescence, going off to university, uh, getting married, whatever, you actually have to, you can't just coast, you have to very intentionally discover the new language and the new landscape of your relationship with God for that new season, because it isn't the same. Has such an interesting thought, and I was just thinking that as you were speaking about. Is this too serious? We're meant to be joking. No, I know, I love it. No, Martin and I will do the silly. He will have a nudity oh. story, unless you have a nudity story for later. It won't but be. he will have no, all of that. It won't be as funny as We this. will buffer this we'll, with complete idiot idiotness, so don't worry. We'll, we'll, <laughs> this is a flow of deep intensity. It is, it is. And he will minister super And we're in Butlins, in the corner of a, of a warehouse room, so okay. it's all good. But I was just thinking about that choosing faith, because if there's one thing that youth workers and youth volunteers, yeah. we're really honed in on, is helping young people sort of create plausibility shelters, where yeah. it's plausible to choose Jesus yeah. here. And yet we look at a wider church where that language just doesn't widely exist. And so we, we often feel we're working in a vacuum. So we're the ones that are inviting people to choose Jesus mm. and, and are expected to. And then by the time they're kind of 18, 19, once someone's become a Christian by then, you can pretty much guarantee they'll stick in the fold until the day they die. And yet we're seeing that isn't quite what's happening anymore. Are you seeing... Are you seeing sort of lessons within youth culture and, and youth work that kind of are, are spilling out to wider church? I and mean, this is, sounds ancient, really, what you're saying, but are you seeing that kind of parallel in church at the moment? I mean, I am quite a, ancient, actually, and, and, and <laughs> I have no idea what young people, uh, <laughs> what young people do these days. Um, no, I mean, I, I think... Um, I, I think that the entire landscape has changed, and... Um, where the default used to be, I think, particularly in adulthood, you know, the easiest thing was to drift as a Christian. Mm. We are seeing dead religion die very fast, not just in, in the UK, but in America too. And therefore, the choosing and re-choosing of Jesus is an increasingly countercultural mm. thing to do. And we have to equip people to know how to sing the song of the Lord in, in a foreign land. So... I think that's right. I think some of those skills that youth workers are proficient at, now pastors, ministers, vicars are having to get better mm. at. We're, we're chaplains to a, a you know, pagan culture mm. uh, increasingly um, and, and, and not just people who are just sort of you know, shepherding a pre-existing mm. flock. Mm, absolutely. You're known worldwide, I guess, um, for being the founder of the 24-7 movement, and your heart really is to see the body of Christ just praying, just interceding, coming before God. Um, I have often heard you talk about how we need to kind of demystify prayer. I love it, Pete, the challenge that you give to the wider church about don't use religious language, be real, be raw, keep it simple, keep it real. Yeah. When I think about the younger generations and the conversations I have with them about prayer, do you see that same need for them? Or, or in a post-Christian culture, yeah. it's a completely different landscape of prayer. How have you seen just the generations deal with your message about prayer and connecting with God? That's a great question. I'm not sure I've thought about it very much. I think that, um, I, I, you know, it's funny. I, I think I believe in the simplicity of prayer, but not the demystifying of prayer. And, and actually, I think life is pretty mysterious. And I think most teenagers 
are very aware of that mystery, the sense of being afloat in an ocean that is beyond your own control. Um, I think for all sorts of reasons. And so I think simplicity often is uh, um, the flip side of, of, of mystery. I think what I, what I don't want is religion. I, I, I think Jesus' teaching is, is again and again, don't show off, don't pretend, don't, don't try and impress God. I always remember a guy who became a mentor to me, Floyd McClung. I've been speaking at something and it hadn't gone very well. And afterwards, he took me out for a walk and he said, um, we disappointed by that. And I just instinctively went, no, 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 I thought it was great. You know, you just, yes. you just to move into that space. Yeah. And he just smiled and looked at me and said, wow, well, if it had been me, I'd have been really disappointed. Mm. <laughs> and I realized, why shouldn't I just go, yeah, I'm a mm. bit disappointed mm. with how that went. And I, I think um, learning to be real gets harder the mm. older you get um, and some people have almost lost the ability to be real like they've worn the mask so long they don't know how to take mm. it off so is, is disappointment a key ingredient of being able to be real yeah it's just like you can't have faith without doubt yeah you can't have hope without disappointment yeah. and that's a, that's an interesting one is it in youth culture because i think we're raising, we're working with and reaching and raising a generation who so much of their emotions around disappointment, um, sadness, anxiety are often quite weaponized yeah. and medicized. And so they kind of feel, if I feel disappointment, if I feel right. uncomfortable, then there's something either out there that needs to change or there's something in me that's inherently wrong. Yeah. Um, and yeah, actually, we're saying actually as part of your understanding of your place in this world, the mystery of who you are, disappointment, failure, getting it wrong, making a mistake, realizing your brokenness, it's all part and parcel of this great big picture. How, how, do, how do we as youth workers handle that? How do we help young people sit with disappointment well? Well, I think, I think that any moment of extreme disruption in someone's life is your great opportunity for meaningful connection and transformation uh, and it could be a moment of great joy but it, it could also be a moment of great pain it's the magnolia moments that are almost impossible to pastor just I don't know play video games while that's going on but the moment you've got some form of crisis for good or ill so I remember when our sons were fairly young maybe uh, seven and nine um, we came back to the house we were living in and saw blue flashing lights everywhere on the busy road outside. And I quickly realized, Sammy went inside the house with the boys, I went to find out and I found out that uh, an old lady had been knocked over and killed um, just outside. And I tell you what happened at that moment was I, I knew when I went back into the house, the boys would go, what, what, what was it, Dad? And I had to make a decision, mm, like, mm. do I play it down, do I change the subject? I thought, no, mm. I'm actually going to bring them out mm. to connect with a place where half an hour, 20 minutes earlier, a woman died. Mm, mm. Because my job isn't to protect them from the pain of mm. life, 
but is to walk with mm. them through it. Mm. And then we had an amazing conversation mm. uh, about uh, about that. So I, I think, um, you know, Thomas Merton says God is far too real to be met anywhere other than in reality. Mm. And so the moment you step into hypocrisy, you lose your common language with mm. God. Mm powerful stuff I'm just thinking about the magnolia and just thinking actually that's one of the great challenges for youth ministry as we handle very important things like safeguarding and risk assessments and making yeah. sure that we keep people safe yeah. is how do we do that and twin it with this we were calling young people out of the church subculture into the dangerous yeah. reality of pursuing Christ and even last night at Spring Harvest the venue that we had the 11s to 13s in I think you're preaching there tonight there was a, a, a it wasn't a gas leak in the end, but it stank of gas and so we couldn't do the, the, the service inside yeah. and the whole team said let's take the teenagers to the beach and I course we couldn't do it because we just couldn't get yeah. the permission for it but everything in us is saying that's the only yes. thing that's what we need to do is get all these kids on the beach and I remember as a 12 13 year old when I became a Christian or, or, or one of those moments where the decision was real one of those many moments um, I remember somebody saying don't come to the front now meet me at 5am in the morning on the beach mm. and, and it was so powerful it was so beautiful how we mm. do that you Love often that. introduce yourself as, or you are introduced as the bewildered leader, and I yeah. love that, Pete. Yeah. I think you're, you're being listened to by many people, me included, who also feels like a bewildered leader. And that's quite a charming phrase, but I guess behind that is actually quite a sense of, is there self-doubt in your leadership? Is there a sense of actually, I am a leader, God, you've called me to it, but it, it's, it doesn't really sit that well, so one day, I don't want to, I mean, how, what's behind that word for you? Because I think as youth workers, we love leading, but, but the cost and the burden of that often doesn't always sit particularly well. We would just like to be sat on the curb with a teenager, chatting with them about life in Jesus, and lots of things that go hand in hand with leadership can be quite challenging to deal with. So what's behind that word for you? Well, interesting, I, I didn't respond, but earlier you described me as the founder of 24-7, and I've always fought that and resisted that because um, literally all I ever did was started one 24-7 <laughs> prayer room, and after two weeks, I tried to stop it because I figured you should quit while you're ahead. And my friend Kerry, uh, said no, we should keep going, and persuaded me. And so thousands of people have started 24/7 prayer rooms. I tried to stop the movement two weeks in before it became anything. And also, I, I feel very, very strongly that God anoints relationships more than individuals. God anoints the gap between us. That's why most of the contesting in ministry, in life, in marriage, certainly in youth pastoring. Is, is about relationships wow. and, and that's why God is Trinity right that's why you know Jesus wasn't just downloading a revelation to 12 disciples who then would just be like so super pumped with like mm. amazing stuff they could go Jesus couldn't fully become who he was called to be without his disciples it was a genuine relationship I mean without Judas's betrayal without the provocations in the garden of Gethsemane he says to his three best friends come watch and pray for me I need you to pray for me so Jesus was vulnerable he even he needed relationship to be who God was calling him to be and we we're coming out of it now thank God but the, the, the baby boomer generation right through to generation X like to raise up these kind of 
heroes. There was this horrible saying that Christian. I hope none, no one listening to this ever heard it. But it used to go around, which was, you know, the world has yet to see what God can do with one man fully surrendered to Him. And it was a man, you know. And, and one, it's rubbish because mm. I think Jesus probably we probably have seen <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. it's, it's like you get crucified that's yes. what that, that, that. but but it was this sort of you know mm. chest puffed out like mm. I'm going to be this big thing it's in relationships that's why it is always more important who you are called to be with than what you're called to do or where you're called to live and, and there's such an isolating um, momentum to life and to ministry mm. and certainly to success and so for me I don't want to be the guy behind no. 24-7 there was a bunch of us yes. and a bunch of us after we've been going almost 20 years and we've only really lost one person relationally in wow. that time we're all still friends yeah. we're all still doing it Everyone else has put just as much of their life yes. into it as me. I've just got a bigger gob than some of them. <laughs> so why should that make me the yeah. founder? Okay. So that's Beautiful. And I'm also bewildered because genuinely, if you had come to me and said, I've got this really good idea, I would have said, Rachel, this is yeah. a terrible idea. Night and day prayer. I don't think I even believe in that. Mm. But God just did something and we've been surprised. Mm. Not, not every day, but most days mm. for 20 years. That is power. That is so beautiful. I was at um, Joel's Bar recently, which is the Charismatic Catholic Youth Festival. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and that absolutely is what we're seeing there. Women and men in their 20s, who are, none of them are being paid to run this event, yeah. who all do other things, but they love each other yeah. and they love Jesus. Yeah. And they put on this event. And I said to them, how does this work? Because this breaks all the rules. Like, you're not supposed to be able to do it like this. I mean, it is so beautiful seeing the generations coming up who don't want the leadership structures that is one or two shiny people. It is all about participation. And looking across Spring Harvest as an example, most of the people who are serving are under the age of 30. Stunning. It's stunning, isn't it? And yet, would they come to Spring Harvest? I don't know. Would they come to serve? Absolutely. So it's really interesting seeing what the, what the future will be of many of these events. Yeah. Because actually, the next generation, they want participation. Yeah, and, and refuse the transaction of ministry without relationship. Yeah. Contend for relationship first. And, and we, we have often made decisions in 24-7 that, rightly or wrongly, we've decided we're not going to like hire and fire people, just like, like yeah. some of the things we do, we could do a lot better, more professionally by saying, oh, that person, we found a better person to do that job. Yeah. But actually the relationship with the person who's doing it is more important to yes. us. And, and Thomas Merton once said, the greatest spiritual disease afflicting the church in the West is efficiency. <laughs> Just because something works doesn't make it. So in your ministry, mm. contend beyond their, anything for relationships. Why is there increasing... Um, uh, conflict and war between men and women mm. because right from the start it, it, it's the anointing on man it's only mm. when men and women properly relate that we can see who got this mm. Mm. Um, what, why is there increasing misunderstanding between generations it, it, we're seeing massive problems in, in, in the realm of race it's, we're seeing a great mm. a gap between rich and poor so we're seeing division but the, the, the thrust of the kingdom is togetherness, reconciliation, relationship, listening, communication. Yeah. So contend for relationships because that is where yeah. the anointing and the yeah. favour of the Lord rests. Yeah. And life's more fun. Yes. Like we will all attend each other's funerals. You probably had never had this on a Youthscape podcast before. But like ultimately, 
I, I often think, look, unless Jesus comes back first, you know, we don't want to be like, like, oh, well, we built some great ministry, but we all fell yes, out. Yes. Let, let's, yeah. let's weep yes, each other's fun. funerals and go, we achieved a fairly mediocre ministry, <laughs> but we still love each other. Right? That's brilliant. That's what, what, brilliant. I mean, what kind of an idiot says, like, I'm going to do something unbelievable with the best website in the world, but it'll cost yes. me friendships? Yes. Why would you do Why that? Why would you do that? Yeah. I, just listening to you, I'm just so conscious that. I, I think everyone listening will say yes and amen and this is why I got into youth ministry whether people are paid yeah. this is their career or their volunteers I suppose a real tension point for some people listening is you're in a structure where this this is the leadership that you are modeling and you're creating this is the plausibility shelter the safety that the, the, right. the family but you're also working within a larger structure where actually you're not being treated like that you're being seen as an employee yeah. you're being kept out of certain conversations many folks listening to this might have had horrendous experiences of being employed and all, and actually being treated as an employee yeah um so i guess a question to you would be have you any thoughts about how we can as leaders kind of lead up lead out lead over so that we're kind of creating this around us even if we don't have the position of power to be able to say this is how it all works how, how could we exercise some of this relational leadership um, I think the two questions you always have to ask yourself is this how do I become a good human <laughs> And how do I create structures in which humans flourish? And that is harder if you find yourself in a structure in which humans are being treated like machines, which is what you're effectively saying. But there was this jazz musician and theologian called Hans Ruckmacher who said, Christ did not die to make us Christian, he died to make us human. Mm -hmm. So the, qu the question is, how can you, what does it all look like for you to be Fully yourself, to refuse to become a product, um, a job title, and you have to contend for that. Like one of the things for me is, um, you know, I will not apologise for the fact that I need a really good long holiday in August, and I've negotiated that wherever I've been, because I've learned that I'm I'm full on. Like I, I don't do nine to five, and. Of course, if you're working for some kind of machine, they like, thank you very much, mm. thank you very much, you're doing mm. a 50 hour week, 60 hour week, mm. whatever, because I don't even know when I'm working, it's mostly fun. But I do know that I need, you know, most of August mm. off. And you've never heard me speak at any festival, any of that stuff in August, because that is like a, a yes. key. Now that's one of the ways I stay as a good human. And then the, what I've found is, the first week of August, I always do a building project because I'm trying to switch my brain off and work with my hands and detox because I'm a pain in the ass otherwise. Mm. And then I take some holiday once I become a little more pleasant mm. with the, the family. So that's a silly example, but what is it that brings you life? Is it reading? Is it, is it painting yourself blue and running through the forest? Do whatever you got to do to be fully you and do that in defiance to the systems that will continue to try to dehumanize you. Yeah. Any sin structure is, is a dehumanizing influence. Yeah. So I'm sorry that sounds a bit theoretical, but it's actually very, very practical. Yeah. And I'll finish with this example. A friend of mine who leads a massive church in America 
and hangs out with all the mega church pastors. He said to me, Pete, most of them aren't good humans. Yeah. And these would be famous people. Yeah. These are people who are good preachers and good lead managers, but he said they're bad humans, yeah. mostly. And he said most of them suffer from the same medical conditions. Adrenal failures, a whole bunch of things. He said, that's really weird. I mean, that's, yeah. that, that's quite a fluke. It's clearly they are, they are part of systems that are bad for human flourishing. Mm. And then are probably creating structures because, you know, I'm not sure that 10,000 people gathered together is anything more than a consumer experience but in which it's very hard for humans to flourish. Mm. It's not impossible, it's very hard. Yeah. So all the time in ministry and in life, know what helps you to be fully alive, John yeah. 10, 10, yeah. and contend for those. It's just as important that you discipline yourself to joy as it is to pray, to tithe, and to yes. whatever else. Because yeah. joy isn't inevitable, so pursue it, make time for it. If it's cheering yeah. on your football team, if it's going to art galleries, you must fight for that and not apologize for yeah. that because you, above all, must be a good human for the glory of God. Yeah. Final question before I maybe can think of some silly, funny ones. Okay. <laughs> because I can just Any, feel anytime you want me to crack, like, anytime you want me to crack a joke. You just want to bust out. Um, oh, actually, I think it might have gone out of my head. I might have to do the silly ones first. I'm really conscious, beloved listener, that you can hear lots of You do call them sound. beloved listeners. I do, I do. That, that you can hear lots of surround sound. But I'm cool with that because actually I feel that for, for so many of us, this is how we operate our lives. We don't have quiet spaces that we do all our, our stuff in. We find corners of life with young people. Um, so, some, some um, of it's also that I'm eating a packet of crisps. You are, and, and coffee and all the rest of it. Um, I was at an event recently, Pete, where um, you were sat, you, you, you found yourself sat on the drum kit and you picked up the two drumsticks and you just had a little kind of shimmy around. Oh. And, and it made me think, oh, I wonder where Pete would feel most at home sat in a church. So if you could sit anywhere in a church, are you someone that would prefer to be right in the back of the corner, like do yeah. a bit of graffiti in the back? Are you just sort of sat tinkering on the drum kit? I mean, are you, are you most comfortable behind the legs? So where, where for you is like your natural fit? If you, if you have to be in a church service, where do you want to be? I do like, I do, I do like sitting fairly near the back for lots of reasons. You can see what's going on. Yeah. You're not on display. If I'm speaking at church, um, often I'll rewrite my talk during the worship because, and it, sometimes it's I haven't prepared, but mostly it's sometimes I step into the room and go, oh no, they oh, need something different. Yes. And I've had people come up to me and say to me, it's outrageous, you couldn't be bothered to, yeah, I saw you just writing your talk or not worshiping. Uh -huh. So it, sometimes I just want to hide yeah. and listen to the Lord for the people and whatever. Yeah. Um, I had a great thing recently where I discovered that. God is really happy with me hooking off church sometimes because <laughs> I'd been leading this service. My friend Paul Cowley had been preaching and um, we moved into ministry time. I was tired, done like three, three services that day and I could see it was all going to go great. People crying at the front, tissues were out, but I knew it was going to be another half hour. You know, you've got to finish with a couple of songs. So I said to Paul, there's a great pub next door, let's pop, in, pop out. So we snuck out. So that's me really happy. And then what was really cool was there was this guy in there and I recognised him, he'd been in the service, but he was sitting on his own and he had finished a pint, which is always when someone's finished yeah. a pint on their own. So we got talking to him and he started saying how he had found the service difficult and we led him to Jesus. And then um, what was really amazing was it turned out Paul Cowley's an ex-soldier, he's a retired soldier, they'd been in the same regiment, it was like a complete divine setup. 
And then this guy's sister came in after the service, saw us sitting there, and she started weeping because she said, I brought my brother to church. It was a major answer to prayer. My heart was broken when he snuck out early. I thought, oh my goodness. Like, uh, you know, and, and I've come out and found that he's sitting with the pastor and the preacher and he's just given his life to the Lord. So, ladies and gentlemen, if you ever want proof that God sometimes wants you to hook off church and go to the pub, there you have it. Thank you, ma'am. That's beautiful. I think most of us that are called into some kind of youth ministry are most comfortable outside of the spaces that as humans we genuinely create where God should be. Yeah. We quite like to be outside of those spaces. Yeah. That's beautiful. One of the things I absolutely so appreciate, Pete, about how you use the platform that God has given you um, and the way that you defy that platform and like to resist it as well, I honour you for that, is that you often choose to really contend or speak up for youth workers or people that love young people or young people themselves. Is that a conscious decision that you make or is it just that over the years actually you've just God's given you such a heart for emerging generations so you put something recently about the, the founder of the Sunday School movement and yeah no I mean I, 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 I was a youth worker and then we planted two youth churches and I passionately believe not just in discipling the young people we've got but releasing them into leadership whilst they're still young. There's no reason why teenagers can't move in the fivefold gifts, evangelist, pastor, prophet, teacher, and even apostle. Um, and uh, I, I, I passionately believe that the most important uh, mission field in our world is um, frontline relational engagement with uh, young people and students. There's no question about it. And so, um, you guys, if sometimes you find the enemy gives you hell, it's because you're doing something that matters with your life. And um, thank you for what you're doing. Thank you for the price that you're paying. Um, thank you, especially for the hidden price. One of the things I know for a fact about youth workers is you do so much that goes unthanked. Um, so much setting things up and serving and you know texting people who are not appreciative and just so much and 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 it, it, it's um, it's nuts that the church on Sunday gatherings and at big conferences and festivals creates like this this big expensive high production value environment for adults and then puts a fraction of their budget, a fraction of their ministry resource into young people. And we've just started a festival, and one of the things we said from the start is, let's, start, let's stand up at the start and say, you're gonna get the same production values that you might get at home in Dingley Dell Baptist Church. The, the, the audio will be fine, but it won't be great. You know, the screens will be all right. And as a result, we've been able to put X thousand more into discipling yeah. and caring for young yeah, people. Has anyone really. got a problem with that? And of course, everyone, everyone's like, that's yeah, a brilliant decision. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But we drift to this, yeah. you know, so, so I'm passionate at every yeah. level for, for young people. And it's, it's so tough and so wonderful, yeah. isn't it? That yes. stage of life. Yes. 
And we're so excited, Pete, that you are coming to speak at the National Youth Ministry Weekend. Yes. Yes. And you're coming to do the early day, apparently, the retreat day for anyone that books on early. As a result of this, you will have that round. So obviously you have, you will not be writing any of those talks until you rock up in Birmingham and, and have a bit of worship. But do you have any sense already now of what you might be saying? <laughs> <laughs> if you know anything about my Myers-Briggs profile uh, 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 in a taxi I'll pick you up I'll pick you up and you can sit in the back I blame Myers-Briggs plan, for everything for getting my coat no, but we're so excited that yeah. you'll be coming and, and cheering us on that is awesome can't wait oh bless you do you have any silly story you want to share we can save them up for the National Youth Ministry Weekend no, I have literally no jokes that's fine no humour I'm, I'm like that as well I'm, I know I'm I think you're one of the no... unfunniest people I've ever met <laughs> <laughs> if Martin was here, he would have a nudity story or some inappropriate story about meeting you somewhere and you not recognising him, probably. Martin has quite a few of those. Well, that I, I well, personally no, that, no, have that not most recognised people don't him. recognise him. He's convinced that nobody recognises yeah, him. Yeah, but that's why. That's, that's like super. No, no, that's no, why. No, that's one of those things that, like, how does that even. Like, because like, you can accuse anyone of not recognising you because by. Yeah, by default, then you can say you've seen anyone. Yeah, Tom Cruise doesn't recognise me or Brad Pitt. I know, every single time. <laughs> Every single time. Pete, thank you for your time. You're such a hero. And you've managed to wolf down the spring harvest sandwiches, crisps, coffee and cake in that time. People, isn't that amazing? have a story about how I walked up to Pete and he didn't recognise me, <laughs> I wouldn't accuse him of such rudeness. I said, people don't recognise me. Mm. Like, generally, people, and I'm glad of that. I'm glad that no one comes up to me in the street and says, aren't you that woman off of late lunch? <laughs> or the Great British Bake Off? I'm glad that doesn't happen. I, I think it's slightly different. I, I hope he now doesn't yes. think no, I th- that I, think, I hold some I long grudge. I think he thinks grudge. you're deeply insecure and well, obviously be, his best friend. He'd be right. doesn't recognise him. He'd be right. One of the least funny people he knows, he said. I thought that was... <laughs> Quite apt. I thought that was excellent. <laughs> uh, so, so Pete will be uh, at the National Youth Ministry yeah, Weekend brilliant. this year. Very excited yeah. about that. And as well as speaking uh, in one of the evening meetings, he's also going to be... Uh, uh, hosting the early day, um, which is going to be looking at kind of prayer, funnily enough, um, and how we both kind of carve out time to pray. Well, carve out time's a bit, you know, mm. that's not what it is. But how we pray as youth leaders, really simply, how to develop a life of prayer when you think, you know, you do a mm. job which leads you to believe that you know it all, and really you know you don't. Um, and how do we cultivate prayer in this generation? So there'll be a little bit of of, of it that feels you know, more like training, I guess. But but really, it's it's also got that kind of heart of retreat to it as well. Uh, it is going to be happening in Birmingham on the 15th of November. You can still get tickets for that. It's going to be a fantastic opportunity yeah, to be with Pete Gregg and a cohort of youth leaders. Mm-hmm. Do not miss that. Um, and tickets are £45, include lunch, and are available from our website, youthscape.co.uk forward slash NYMW mm. which stands for National Youth Ministry Weekend fantastic we yeah. still haven't worked out how to make that trip off your tongue but you can't we? make that trip off your tongue so are you I mean I know we're still quite a long way in advance in real time yeah. but are you beginning to get kind of excited about the National Youth Ministry Weekend yes. you're, you're kind of involved in the granular detail the nitty gritty yes what is it looking like it's from your from your perspective of not being recognised by anyone 
Yeah, no one knows who I am. That position of invisibility. I love that. What do you see? What, what are you excited about? I'm very excited. We um, are doing a theme this year, which is all around uh, opportunity and the. I'm not going to. I'm not going to tell you the actual name of it yet, but sort of oh, endless. Okay. Let's say it's endless opportunity, infinite opportunity. That's half of the title. I've just given it away. <laughs> um, and uh, and and we're going to be looking at sort of building on last year's theme of risk. This year, believe it or not, we're going to think about creativity, innovation, mm. uh, and thinking expansively about our work and about our God. Mm. And Pete is a great person to, mm. to bring some insights there. We've got some fantastic people joining him. Um, very excited to have Mark Ostreicher um, coming yes, and joining us, great. who is uh, a bit of a guru on adolescent brain development, but also has been in youth ministry for a gazillion years, did a brilliant podcast, yeah. um, which you can listen back to. Uh, you'll be there, Rachel, which is exciting. Um, Abigail Russett, uh, who's going to be speaking from um, from Princeton. Uh, you, you, we've got this kind of developing relationship with uh, Princeton Seminary. They've been involved in all three years of the National Youth Ministry Weekend. She's going to come and speak mm. on the main stage for the first time. Really excited. She is a, a amazing uh, emerging voice uh, in in the United States. And then uh, we've got a bunch of other people that we're going to announce over the coming. Um, weeks and months as well so, so that it's a really exciting program coming together so good as per usual even with all that fantastic stuff and all these seminars and exhibitions it's just being in that space isn't it where you've got mm. other youth workers around and we're nerding out with our favorite people there's just nothing quite like it no. so make sure you guys book yourself on we would love to see you there now we have a list of shout outs yeah oh sorry can i interrupt your flow now? you can there are a few tickets now available oh <gasps> So we've managed, we have yes. managed to get Come some on, more people. tickets. Come on. And uh, so we've made the room bigger. We have made the we've room bigger. We've taken a wall out and we've made the room bigger. <laughs> Actually, you can at this place, can't yeah, you? Yeah, we've the taken room, a wall the out. Room, and yeah. so, uh, so we've got a, a few so more tickets. So good, so good. And you can get those on our website now. They're £129. Uh, and you can Bargain. book them at youthscape.co.uk slash yeah. N-Y-M-W. Yes. Please go and do Lovely. that before they all go. Yes, please do. Please do. We really want to see you there. So our shout-outs then. As you know, dear friends, shout-outs only go to people that listen to the podcast and are part of this little community. So you are super dear to us. I mean, we love all youth workers, don't we, Martin? Some. We love. No, we love all. All. Most. All. We love all youth workers. All what youth about... What's his name? Yeah, yeah, and her. No. Yeah, we love them. We love them all. But particularly this season or series... Series. Natalie Jones. I don't know Natalie Jones. <laughs> I said all of that. Oh, you're so excited about her. Yeah, I don't know who's Natalie Jones. <laughs> no, don't. That'll, that'll break her little heart. <laughs> oh, Natalie, you're particularly my favourite person. From you're going to have Harrogate. to go to Harrogate now. I will, Natalie. I will. And, and apologise for that. Yes. Um, well, Jim Page from Bournemouth. Great, well, I know. You, great personal friend of mine. You don't know Jim. I know no, Jim. I don't know. So I met Jim at Spring Harvest. He said, "Listen, I listened to your podcast. I was like, Jim, give me your deets. You're going to get a shout out. So from St Paul's in Bournemouth. Uh, now I'm going to do this one once because it's a bit in-house. Okay. But Dr. Lucy Shuker, who has been interviewed a couple of times on she, the podcast, she listens to, she listens to the podcast. So we're going to say hello oh, to her. Hello, Lucy. And also, you should do another one which is a little closer to your heart. Yes. So Helen Wollstonecroft, who is a youth pastor at St. Peter's in Harrow, so she's a youth pastor at our church. I think Helen, you are amazing. You are amazing, and I love being a volunteer on your team. You look after me brilliantly, and you resource me and make sure I know what I'm doing, and I really appreciate you, Helen, so this is for you. If you've got she any awkward issues chocolate. with volunteers, <laughs> Helen, do you want to just give us a call <laughs> privately? I think, I think I am an awkward volunteer. That'll be fine. <laughs> I'm like hot and cold, like, yeah, I'll be there! Oh, actually, I can't be there, that one. She makes the best chocolate brownies. 
I mean, that's... You're not one of those volunteers who flakes on WhatsApp. No, no, I try not to. I give her the dates I can definitely do. Oh, very good. But like last Friday night, I was um, I took my daughter because I was at a GB Awards night, and I was like, Helen, I'm really sorry, I can't be in the class. She was like, she said, don't worry, I have you down as an additional help. I was like, oh, okay, that's well, really that good. tells us everything. That doesn't says it? everything. So, wow. Yeah. So that's it for another edition of the Youthscape <laughs> Podcast. We'll see you next time. He did tell me that. He doesn't listen he, to Well, he said podcasts. he does. He said he does. I bet you he doesn't. As he's, as he's making votes. Pete, I'll give you a fiver. <laughs> I'll give you a fiver if you listen to this.